Welcome back, everybody, to the Stark Wars podcast, where we talk all things Marvel and Star Wars. Please take a moment to check the show notes to find our social media, merch, and more. Today, we are recapping Moon Knight Episode 5 in full spoiler details, so if you haven't seen the episode, I would get out of here. And I'm joined by... Oh, Tommy, I'll have a good intro. I was, I was about to call you a hippo, but I don't know if that's good. It's Tommy Pizzullo. Tommy, how are you? I'm good, and you know it, it's fine. It's understandable, Michael, because we're in a funk right now. Our 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 hearts aren't balanced. We need to actually this whole podcast. We're just going to go through recap every single podcast we've ever done to uh, just you know make sure that all our memories are intact and we're not forgetting something that's going to be like a big re- revelation for us. Yes, yeah, so this must be the recap of the recap here. Um, but hey, we have a guest here today. Uh, I'm super happy and excited to welcome Jordan from the Two Black Nerds podcast. Jordan, how are you, man? Doing great. Really excited to be here to talk to you guys about some some Moon Knight stuff. Uh, you know, any any sort of Egyptian deity or animal, you know, could could you know you could assign to me, I'd be okay with it because they're all <laughs> they're all pretty cool to me. But uh, yeah, really excited to be here today. Well, Jordan, I want to give you the chance to like this is this is your Star Wars debut here. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then maybe like uh, your initial thoughts of what you've been thinking of Moon Knight. Sure. Well, as you said, I'm one half of uh, the Two Black Nerds podcast, so we uh, we do weekly reviews of movies and TV series, and we've also been reviewing Moon Knight as well over the past few weeks. Here, um, we typically like to do separate weekly reviews for Marvel TV shows, but you can go check us out anywhere you get your podcast, Two Black Nerds. Um, but right now, with Moon Knight, it's been a it's been an interesting show. Um, one of the things about the MCU shows that I've always been a little bit critical of is just the pacing and the way that they handle, I think, just the the formats of their shows with the structure and the fact that they're all six episodes. It seems like it seems like they're still trying to find their groove and their rhythm. And so Moon Knight still feels a lot like that. But I was I was really interested to see how they would tackle this, because this is a character that's pretty much brand new for everybody. You know, I, I don't think a ton of people know about Moon Knight. So this is also the first time they haven't already addressed a character that we've been introduced to before. WandaVision, we knew Wanda and Vision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so on and so forth. And so this was really, really going to be something new. And um, I think it's been interesting to see how that's integrated into the MCU. But I still see a lot of the structural, I think, issues just with these Marvel TV series. They're still sort of present here, unfortunately. That said, this most recent episode, I think, did a lot of work to overcome some of those obstacles and, and, and criticisms that I've even had about it. Um, certainly the most emotional of the series so far. And I think Oscar Isaac's performance really, it really carries it in, in so many ways. He's doing some really tremendous work, even though there's like other, other small things that, that I still have a little bit of an issue with, but ultimately I think that just the dramatic elements of it really, really kind of took it to the next level for me. And that's why, you know, I ultimately enjoyed it. You know, you raise a good point, and I think um, this is maybe where I have where my issues come from with the show. Because I made a comment on Twitter this week that it got me in some trouble. I said that I thought Moon Knight was my least favorite MCU show, and people came for me. And I'm like, listen, you can't like it's not better than WandaVision, Loki. I personally like Hawkeye, so uh, like I won't take that debate. And I guess like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think that's the one that people kind of juggle with me, but. For me, I don't know. And I think it does boil down to the fact that we just have not had enough time with this character for me to truly care. And I think I think that is 
Um, I, I think there was like two emotional crutches in this episode. It was one looking at his past, and then it was two the what we get at the end with the separation of Mark and Stephen. And actually, the separation of Mark and Stephen worked for me way more than some of the flashbacks. And again, I think it just comes from I. I don't feel like I know this guy enough to like really like like I like I saw people said that this episode made him cry. It didn't make me cry. Um, Tommy, I, I know you've got counter words for that, so hit me with it. I love this episode. No, I mean, I, I did. And I think this is where I think, Jordan, to your point of the pacing is a huge thing. And I also think the week to week, I think if this is a binge show, if you're watching this back to back to back, you're saying we don't know him. I think we do. I just think you forget by the time you get to the next episode. So if you're watching four episodes of Mark and Steven fighting and fighting and fight, and then you get to this episode and you you get the backstory, you get you see them connect. It may be like Steven as someone who has, has been on this podcast saying how much I've been annoyed with Steven. I was crushed by the end of the episode. Um, but I do think like the series as a whole uh, has has struggled with the pacing. You know, you got the first, first two episodes where it felt very slow. And I was like, all right, we're like, we're going somewhere. And then three and four, they're like, oh, wait, we forgot. There's got to be some sort of plot going on. And they jumped right into a bunch of stuff. And now it's like the end of four into five. It was like, OK, let's take a pause. Let's take a break and catch it back up. It kind of felt like WandaVision where we remember the, the flashback episode of WandaVision. It felt like that a little bit of like, let's let's jump into these memories. Let's give you some back background on these characters. So you do start to care. So and I, I guess that's that's what this is. This is the point in a regular TV show where I would begin to care. Not that I will care. This is like I'm still being introduced. And, and the weird thing is. um we focus so much on Steven yet Steven isn't even the actual character. Like I, I know so little about Mark. I, I know like the very basic understanding of like some of the big events in his life now, but I still like haven't been through anything with this character. And I guess there's two sides of the coin because the fact that we spent so much time with Steven made the ending more emotional for me, but then I'm also left on this guy, Mark and I, like he's a mercenary. That's what I know. So I, I don't know, Jordan, if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I I think that that's a really that's a really good point because what I noticed after watching this episode and really thinking about it, I'm like, oh well, this this is kind of us entering the story. Like this entire series is us entering the story almost at the end of the story. Really, we're kind of in the third act of it, and we had to sort of go back to fill in those blanks. And I just wonder if maybe the structure, if it was presented differently, um, to really give more backstory and development for Mark for us to understand who he is. If we had gotten that earlier. That might have affected just the emotional reaction, because I, I, I do agree that Stephen has been the one that's been in the driver's seat. And so that emotional reaction that we got out of his performance in particular at the end of the episode makes I think it makes a ton of sense. And you, you feel connected to that. Mark, there's not much to really grab onto where it would make me care. And ultimately, I think that's been kind of the biggest thing for me with the show is that it has been it's it's been hard to attach to anybody, really. It's been it's been difficult, especially Mark, because he's withheld so much information the entire time, especially from Layla, which we know. So I think uh, there's, there's obviously an air of mystery that's that, that, that needs to, I guess, be upheld within this series because they're trying to tell it in a certain type of fashion. But I don't know. I just wonder if they, if they, if they experimented with that, if, if it might've yielded a different result. Yeah. I would, I would be intrigued on the different parents. I do think to defend the way they do it here, I think now seeing where they're going, I think you do need to introduce Steven first because I think otherwise you're not going to care about, you're not going to get the emotional toll you get from this episode because otherwise you'd be like, ah, oh, Steven's just a memory. It's like, whatever. And I think the show wants you to 
the show wants you constantly to question everything. And I think the show wanted you to question, is it Mark's body? Is it Steven's body? We don't really know. Like, obviously, the comics tell you some information there. And I think, too, I guess I do connect to Mark. And, and I think it's because he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve like Steven does. He's And this episode shows he's just a broken kid, man. Every, like... He gets into so many abusive relationships. You know, you got the, we see like jumping into the episode, like you see that. And then Kanchu, another, like, and it's so like, I can relate to someone who is very closed off to the world and doesn't give a ton because there is this emotional baggage that he's been holding on. When he breaks down and he's crying, like, to me, that did get me. That did, you know, that's the stuff because it was finally, we saw the true mark. We saw this, this kid that just went through a awful, awful event as a kid. And then more awful events. And he's never had a break. He sees himself as just a fit. Like when he says like, I, I was a mercenary. Cause like, what else can I do? But even that he's ashamed of. Like to me, there is like so much depth in Mark because he's just a tragic, sad boy. <laughs> Tommy, you're making a point. So um, I, I think, I think you can, I think you can turn me by the end of this podcast. So um, if you will, let's go ahead and dive into the episode a little bit. And um, my, okay, so my notes are all over the place. And Tommy, this is something we ran into in the past where like there's a lot of cutting back and forth between things. So I've kind of structured things in a way that like I'm not going to be talking about where we cut back. For instance, I'd like to just start out here and talk about the flashbacks in chronological order. I know it's kind of all over the place throughout the episode, but um, I guess I guess we can start with um, we, we can again. This is like the middle of the episode now, but. Um, when we're introduced to Mark and his brother, um, this is very much like, it seems like a very happy situation. They're at a barbecue and then the kids run off to go play and they go into this cave and this is where Mark's brother dies. And um, yeah, again, I, I feel like I, I, I sound horrible. This is a bad first impression, Jordan, but I mean, a kid dying is sad, but it, it didn't get me, I, I guess, in this moment. But I guess more so the the stuff leading up is what really matters. What did you think about this story and um, the his his dead brother? For yeah, of yeah. That 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 was. I mean, that was obviously the point of the episode. That is really. I mean, it's really supposed to get you emotionally emotionally invested into into Mark as a as a character. Especially, you see their family, and they seem completely fine. They seem like a perfectly loving and caring family initially. And this tragic event happens. And so I I was curious, even after seeing like that, you know, his brother had drowned. I was just still curious as to why we didn't exactly see that on screen, which, you know, kind of leads me to believe that something is hidden for a reason that might ultimately get revealed in the ne next episode. I could be completely wrong about that. But I, th I thought that that was a, a curious decision to not actually show the incident, because I feel like if you see it, that's where it really actually hits home. And so even though this is like a, a super sad event, this family loses, you know, somebody that's so important, a young boy, um, it still kind of left me a little bit empty. You know, I, I definitely, I get the purpose of the scene and why it's there to really add a lot of that emotional depth to Mark and his, his childhood and what he went through. But I was just curious as to why they didn't show us that scene. Uh, I, I don't know if it's something even with like the Disney plus of it all and the fact that, you know, they don't want to, I guess, stray too far into like, really graphic depictions of violence and things of that nature. But that, that was, that was kind of the piece of it that stuck out for me, which might be the wrong way to think about it, but I didn't notice that. No, I agree with that. And I, I do wonder is like, maybe the, 
as bad as it sounds, like maybe the brother's death wasn't the point. It's almost like it's just a catalyst to the bigger issue, which is like how the mother ends up treating Mark, right? Like it's like obviously that, and that's the thing. It's like a double whammy. Like if you just have him like feeling regret for like being in his head, the cause of his brother's death, like that's already a lot of tragedy. Now on top of that, you add like the mother just basically resenting him for the rest of his life. Um, yeah, I I think there's a lot here with like the brother and like one of the things I, I noticed, like, did you see what the, what he was drawing? The kid, there's so many like things that I love about this episode of like Easter eggs and stuff. Um, he's drawing a picture of a goldfish with one fin. So like everything that Steven had, a lot of Steven's personalities came from a lot of these memories. So like that there's like later Gator was like Mark as a kid said that. And like Steve, like it's like, that's the stuff that does. I know I'm getting a little emotional. Just think about it. Cause it's like, it's so layered and they definitely did take their time with this and they did think about all this stuff going into the show. But yeah, I mean, the cave was tragic, like, and then, you know, jumping a little bit, but like, it, it just becomes even more tragic later when like Steven's like, they're coping together and it was like a good, uh, goodwill hunting moment where it's like, it's not your fault. Like, it's not your fault. Like, Oh, it's so good. But I do agree. Like, I don't know if seeing it would have been better, but I think it was just how quick maybe. Like, we didn't get introduced to the brother. We didn't see them, like, hang out for a while. And it was just, like, we get introduced right to his the, the, the tragic death, not, like, their bond. We didn't see the brother's bond. So I guess that's where I would like to see a little bit of that more, maybe. Yeah, so it's interesting. I've done, like, my research here and there about, like, the characters from the comics surrounding um, Moon Knight. And there's, like... There's so many different branches. Like it almost seems like I know that I believe now we're confirmed not to get a season two of the show, but it seems like they want a season two because uh, we get we get mentions of Bushman in this episode, who is a villain in Moon Knight. Uh, Layla has a lot of parallels to um, was Scarlet Scarab or whatever, and then also the brother, which I, I don't think this is why they did it, but the brother does come back to life in the comic books, um, and I believe he's also a villain. So. Um, I think it's probably more so the fact they didn't want to show a kid dying on Disney Plus, uh, but that's there too. It's a possibility. So, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting avenues they can go with a lot of the characters in the show. So, um, yeah, we will go to and yeah, this is this, I guess this is when it does get pretty rough. We, we are we're seeing uh, a lot of different stuff. We see the mom yelling at him at the funeral. We get like she doesn't come to like his birthday parties. Um, yeah, just so that that is very sad. I, even now, I can't. I can't. It is very crushing. As a mama's boy. Yeah, that that that's that stuff in particular. Really, that that actually that 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 was some of the the stuff that I I I guess I just connected to the most because I think we all can you know look at our families and parents and things of that nature and ultimately we want we want that love and that care and that affection and um, unfortunately not everybody is able to receive that and so when you see his mother, his own mother is, you know, really resentful towards him for something that, you know, it, it's, it's not his fault. At least that's what we're led to believe. It's not his fault. And even if, even if something did happen, I mean, he's just still a kid at the end of the day. And uh, she's supposed to be the one that protects him. And, and ultimately she's not that person. She's actually, she goes against that in almost every sense and uh, becomes really abusive. Unfortunately, it was, it was tough to watch and it was surprisingly dark and you know, I just didn't expect this series on Disney plus, you know, just from what we've seen out of all MCU stuff up until this point, you just don't expect them to go to these places. Um, but I actually think that 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 stuff really it really resonates a lot. And I think um, uh, kudos to them for also taking that risk to show something that is so emotionally mature, 
um, even even though it is depicting like a, a young child, like having to go through this as he's coming of age. Um, I think it's a really mature subject matter for them to tackle. So that that that's kind of one of the benefits of these shows, because I don't know if you get this in a movie because of the time constraints that you have. Yeah, I agree. I think that's like we, we talk a lot about how like uh, the TV show, the pacing, the weeks, but that is like one of the benefits is like we can step down and like have these moments uh, breathe. And like, also, I thought it was interesting that like, the father was like still in the picture, and like that was intriguing to me. Like, it's like he's trying to balance both sides, and he's still with the wife, and he's still trying to like support his kid. And like, I want to know more there because like obviously the father is still alive. We were presumed, so like that's that, that was in, like a lot with me. And like, I don't know, it's hard because like I could never imagine, you know, someday I hope to be a parent. Like losing your kid, like that's rough. I, you know, I have family member that 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 did happen to, like like lost a kid, and like it's like you never forget that. Like it's like it is every day you think about that. And so I'm not saying what the mother is doing is right in any means, but it's like you also do have some sympathy for her. Of like, man, that's tragic. That's hard. Like this whole family just needs help. Like someone should have came in sooner. Get some therapy in there. Get Doctor Hero on the case. Like this was uh this was a lot. And and. Yeah, when the, and the kid, the kid actor, I thought was great. I thought he like really played that like almost like unassuming, but then also knowing, and it was you know a very tragic scene. Tommy's trying to win me over on this episode by talking about kids as a father. Come on, Tommy. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot. I mean, uh, the the belt. She got the belt out. That for me, I was like, uh, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I know what it's like. Been there. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if uh, let's see. Uh, I guess we can cut to when he's a teenager and he's running away from home and this again. Well, yeah, I want to talk about the belt scene, right? Because that's when yes. Stephen. That's when Stephen. I wanted to stop down on that. Man, we're talking about tragic scenes when Stephen's just like, "Oh, I better clean up for my mom." Like that just broke my heart. I and mean, that was when I was like, "Man, I love Stephen now. I get it. I get it." Because it was like the idea that he's all of the happy memories that Mark needs. Like it's basically like you know when they say like if you're ever like miserable or like uh, think of your happy place, like essentially that's what Mark is doing, right? Mark's thinking of his happy place and it manifested into this personality because of trauma and, you know, like our brains do things to help us cope. And, and man, that was heartbreaking. He's like cleaning up and he's just like, and the mom breaks in, grabs the belt. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tommy, to your point earlier, I, I, I really, I, I thought that there were so many parallels with that moment to WandaVision and what we saw because she also utilized childhood memories, things that she that she saw on TV as a way to cope with this uh, this this really emotional, heavy trauma that she was also dealing with. And so I thought that that was that was a nice way to sort of call back to that, although it was probably, you know, unintentional. But I thought that there were like some nice parallels there to just show what people will do to to create something that feels innocent and it feels peaceful almost because you don't want to deal with that that pain and that tragedy in the moment and so it, it's a it's a it's an interesting defense mechanism that i think a lot of people tend to lean towards in those in those moments and ultimately it becomes even bigger for for mark and for steven and what it means into their into their entire story but it was just seeing it in that particular way i think it also it, it also really dealt with the the dissociative identity disorder in a, in a delicate way that makes sense that they can also still address it in a, in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah. And I think so it's, uh, real quick, like I think too, uh, it also shows that like, I think Mark appreciates Steven more than we thought. He, like he's like, we see like this, like 
they're dueling personalities, right? And they're like constantly at, at odds. But I think it's more of Mark's protective of Stephen. And in, you know, in a way, I think he sees Stephen as a brother, you know, like in a way, I think he sees, especially in like this episode with like the way they, they bond uh, being two, you know, actual physical <laughs> beings. I think like, it's hard not to feel that like, this is the little brother in his eyes of like, he can at least have this bond and this siblingness, you know? I didn't realize this was going to turn into a therapy session for me, but I'm realizing now that I have an Indiana Jones poster on my wall behind me. I very much dig myself into movies and TV, obviously, because I have a podcast about it. That probably says a lot about me as well. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of like uh, more beauty in this episode than I did walking in. So I appreciate you guys talking about that. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about when he's leaving home as a teen. And uh, like Tommy mentioned, the, the dad is there trying to stop him. Uh, another emotional, yeah, an emotional scene here. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on all that, but. Well, I, I found it interesting, um, you know, with the dad in, in the situation, because he he's obviously a very important part of the family. But he almost I think for for a bit there, we almost have to kind of forget about him because of the stuff that's happening with Mark. And then eventually Stephen as he's created. And it, it, it's really heartbreaking to see the father in that position as well, because a part of me wanted him to be to be there more for, for Mark and to be a little bit more protective with them. And like that, that's obviously his wife. And so it's a really tough situation. And I'm sure that he hears about it much more than than Mark is. He's trying to shield him from all of that pain. But then the other side of me is like, well, how is he even dealing with this? We can't even really have the time to unpack that for him. Um, and I know that they, they only have so much time, but I would, I would have loved to even see more about the father and how he dealt with that entire, that entire situation. And he has to almost kind of be the strong one, you know, out of everybody, but nobody can, nobody can be strong, you know, in that type of situation. It's the worst thing that, that could ever happen, you know, but um, I think that there was always still that love that existed, you know, for Mark that, that was always there. And he obviously cared and didn't want him to run away, but, I think Mark was just, you know, he was just way too separated at that point, way too, way too disconnected from the family and what it meant for him anymore. Right. And we also um, we get we get like another contrasting um, scene here with another funeral later as Mark is older and he has like shown up outside the house uh, for his mother's funeral. And uh, yeah, he's not going inside. And yeah, this is, again, another very emotional part here. Um so I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when it's like, you know, the, the dad like looks out the window and he's there and they just, the, the, the use of like silence here where it's like, he just shakes it. Like they, they're not talking, but they're talking. And you, you like, you know, the dad's like, come on, like, you, please like, just like, this will be good for everyone. And, but I will say like the dad, I don't know. Like I'm the dad obviously was going through a lot. And, and like Jordan was saying, like, we don't even know how he was. He's still grieving. He also lost this. Like on top of all this, he lost the son and now has to navigate um, a wife who's grieving very hardly and, and not handling it appropriately. You have a son who's feeling neglected. And and um, I think, do I think he could do be could do better? Yes. Do I feel like that's a lot for one person to handle? Yes. <laughs> like, and, and so like this scene was tragic where it's like, this is an adult mark and it's like, clearly this baggage was still like clearly these issues never went away for mark and and yes he's grown up he did his own thing he's went off he's but like that is still there for him and like the just how they showed steven pop up and like it makes sense that this um 
is like what triggered like the 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 walls breaking down and now like the personalities come and go because it, all of mark's walls have been broken now and and this stuff you know we are separating it but this is where what i do find this episode even more intriguing is i kept question i don't know if this is just me i kept questioning if the dr hero stuff was real or not because like with this i was like well maybe steven did turn himself in like the whole time i kept being like I think it's this way, but then they keep convincing me that maybe it's the other way. And uh, I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, no, I, d- I definitely thought that too. I was, I was, I was confused for a lot of it because I'm like, are they trying to tell us that this is not, this is not really real, like what we've been watching and that he's actually in this institution. And so um, that, that stuff is actually, it, I, I thought I would be upset at that, that, that choice, that creative choice to do that. But I found it actually to be beneficial because it really, I think it really helps it helps sort of reset just like everything in terms of what it means for, for Mark and and how he's like made it to this point, how he's kind of been taken advantage of in, in, in quite a few situations, especially like, I know we'll talk about the Conchu stuff, you know, with him uh, becoming Moon Knight soon, but all of that just kind of really helped. I think just like reframe the entire, entire situation that no, this is like a real thing, but you know, you have to kind of question it because there's, there's always so many forces that have been around him that, that, that have been, influential and also maybe even manipulative like specifically with dr harrow that could like try to influence the situation so that was actually a really i think a really interesting part of the episode yeah and i love it and you mentioned it so let's go to uh our next flashback here uh, I, I think this is the next one where they are uh, in the desert and uh, we, we've had those scenes described to us a couple times already but yeah so uh, apparently bushman has killed all of the archaeologists including uh layla's father um Mark is injured and he's going to crawl into this temple. And this is where, and I actually, I thought this was a great, like uh, the pinnacle of all the things that we've seen thus far, where he's just like, he's like physically and mentally beat. And like, you see him like raise the gun up. He's going to kill himself. And uh, Kanchu intervenes. Uh, Tommy, what do you think about this? Yeah. And I mean, it, it was cool. This is in, thing with Kanchu is like I want to like him and then I just am like no you're you're so mean like you know like Jordan and I have been saying of like the the people taking advantage of Mark and to me this is the moment where like you see Steven finally see Mark the way Mark actually is like to me Steven gave pity to Mark here of like you you were just like you were literally just trying to like Kanchu took advantage of this situation and Mark's basically like, yeah, kind of. But also, like, what else did, you know, and Mark even, but Mark even, I think the thing that's interesting is Mark defends it a little, right? Like, Mark kind of, like, and that's, like, a something that happens in abusive, like, a, like relationships like that. You know, I don't want to call it abusive, but it, it kind of is. It's manipulative. It's a manipulative relationship, and, like, he's justifying it. And, like, well, like, you know, it's a better path than where I was, like, in sense or that, that kind of stuff. That I don't know. It, it was definitely a very... um to me, this was just adding on to the layers and layers of like showing us how beaten down Mark has been in his life. And so when we, it almost will be interesting to go back to like episodes one and two and like seeing that more hardened Mark and like knowing this side is there. Yeah. Kanchu in particular, he, he's been, he, I mean, he's done some really bad things and he's like very violent and has taken advantage of Mark and, and kind of gaslights him. But I think to your point, Mark is justifying the behavior and, and almost almost just consenting to it in a way, because I think that there's still a part of him that 
maybe needs him or just wants that that extra layer of protection that Kanchu has been able to give to him because he was on the brink of death. And maybe even some of that stuff from his childhood actually informs that, that he's like in this he's in this situation. He knows it's bad. He's, he knows it's not like a great thing to be a part of. But ultimately, this has kind of been his upbringing. And, and I don't know. He's, I don't know if he's been able to shake that. And, and I wonder if maybe maybe one of the resolutions of the series, I don't know if they'll be able to wrap this up in the next episode, but I, I would want Mark to understand, like, you, you don't have to put yourself through this. You don't have to deal with all of the stuff that comes with this, especially like the threats that Kanchu has like even made towards Layla, you know, using Mark as a way to like get to Layla is also like really, really terrible. So I, I just, I want better for Mark. I really do. Like I want him to like come out on the other side and like realize like, you don't, you don't have to do this. Tommy, I've been saying it for weeks. Kanchu is straight evil. There's like, he is like, I, like, I, I think even, uh, Harrow is the red Harrow or herring of, uh, of the sea. Like I don't, because Kanchu is literally the, like the, I was going to say personification, but he's not a person. He He's like that. He's been calling him names. He's calls him an idiot. Like he's constantly pushing him down. Like, uh, there's like, I fully believe that, that like, con- like, the next episode, we're gonna get some hero stuff, but I think it's really gonna be Mark breaking up with Kanju. I think that's what we're coming to here. Yeah, I mean, I I wish I just I don't see how he continues his Moon Knight without without Kanju. Right? He becomes so, Kanju. Can he do that? <laughs> Maybe I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll just make it happen right now. You know what? <laughs> Call him Kan Mark. Come on, Marku. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I, I'm with you. Like I was like, yeah, Kanji's kind of like. I feel like he's very old fashioned. I want to say he's as like evil as Harold because I still think Harold is is like what rubs me the wrong way about Harold is, is and Ethan Hawke is so good. Even in like the therapist, like it's like it's the very calm. His he doesn't show emotion, and so it's it's that person. Like imagine you're in a fight, and it's like the other person is just like you know what? Like I don't know why you're upset right now. Like that would that would rile me up even more than him screaming back at me. Like that's that's Harold. So like. At least Kanchu, I can like read him. When he's angry, he's you know he's angry. He's just like whoa, like just yelling across the room. Um, so yeah, I mean Kanchu's not great, <laughs> not great guy. Yeah, no, Hero is he's the king of gaslighting for sure. He can just like maintain his composure, tell you what 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 sounds to be like the right thing, and he puts it in such such an eloquent way all of the time. And he also has that relationship with Kanchu, you know. You, when, when he used to be his avatar so he knows him and so i think harrow knows all of the right things to say in order to get somebody to potentially jump to the other side and maybe join up with him and then Kanchu, you know and the things that he's dealing with he obviously has a vendetta against harrow but yeah I, it's it's hard to trust i think i think what we what we've often been taught in any sort of like film or media like it's it's hard to trust any of these like gods you know egyptian gods or greek gods or roman gods like they're so flawed typically in, in in how we see them portrayed and so i think ultimately Kanchu, like we'll, we'll have to see like this is not the greatest person but it, it does beg the question like how does mark continue as moon knight if that if that's the case if they if they do end up you know sort of having a breakup so ta- talking hero here uh now that we're out of the flashbacks i kind of want to like talk about their scenes together in a row kind of like we did with uh the flashbacks and uh this is where I might get some pushback from you guys based on what you're saying. I hate Harrow. And not like I don't, like, I hate him like a villain. I don't like this character. Like, he, like, because there are a lot of moments. There's a lot of conversation between the two in this episode. And I'm sure you guys are going to have some stuff to say on it. For me, I have nothing to say. 
it, this guy is a vessel to throw exposition. That's what he's been from the very, very beginning. He's always talking. That's it. And I get it. I get it. He's like, uh, he's gaslighty. Like he, he's, he's an asshole in his own way. But for me, it's like, I just see him as a vessel to tell us about Mark and tell us about these gods. That's what he's been. He's always talking. It's just like, I don't know. I need more. I need way more from Harrow, uh, especially for Ethan. And, and here's the thing. The performance is not bad. I love Ethan Hawke. He does great for what he's given. I just don't think it's enough. I don't know. Sorry, guys. No, I hear that. I think it's just, uh, you know, I think different flavors, right? I, I do like dialogue movies. I like dialogue characters over action. Like, and to me, he is like, he's like the umbrage, right? Like, if you like looking at Harry Potter, like you got Voldemort who's more like, bah, kill, pill, kill. And then you got umbrage who just gets under your skin. That's how hero is for me, at least, is like, Hero uses it. He's not strong. Like, you know, he's stepping on glass. He's he's like a weakling. Yet his power is, is in this word. So I agree with you. Like, he is very talky. And I, I agree with the exposition part. Like, they're definitely, I, not in this episode, but in the, like the late, earlier ones, like, obviously he was giving us a lot of that because, like, Mark. Like, they wanted to keep the mystery around, like, Mark and Steven and all that stuff. So it was like, that's Hero's this guide who's giving you the, the small feedback. I do think it's part of the gaslighting, right? He's like, I'll be honest with you guys. I'll tell you the stuff that Kanchu won't tell you. Like, look at me. Like, I, I'm being transparent when he's not. Like, he's not at all. Um, that's the stuff that gets me riled up. Because I know people like Carol, and that gets under my skin. And that's, like, I think why I identify, like, as him. With with this session, as therapy, Dr. Harold, we see. I just felt like the the uh what i what i really liked about ethan hawk in the scene i think he's doing great like regardless of the character i think ethan hawk is killing the acting in this for me and uh it's the idea of like even in the the therapy session or whatever it's that i'm helping you trust me but he's really not like it's like it, it's all around the side of like i'm trying to free the world and that's my point of view but he's doing it in nefarious ways and i don't even know if he knows he's doing it in nefarious ways and it, that makes him so dangerous so, and here's here's my pitch because I, I I hear you, Tommy. I like that character too. And my favorite type of that character is Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. I think it works so well. Um, we actually, and I think the big difference between the two, and maybe where my issue is coming from, I know what Littlefinger wants, right? Like he wants power. He wants that. Like he's everything he does, and we see how he's doing it. For me, Harold, I don't even really know what he wants. Like I get like he has this this uh, bad relationship with Kanchu, but Kanchu's gone now. He's just locked Mark up, and he's like, like, what are you doing, man? Like, what what is any of your motivation at this point? I, I just, for me, it's just it's not all the wires aren't crossing for me. Uh, Jordan, what do you what do you what say you on on uh, Harrow? Yeah, you know, honestly, I I I have to kind of agree with you, Michael, because I think what what I've seen in the beginning of the series, like I thought that Harrow was incredibly intriguing very mysterious you don't know that much and you know the opening shot of the series is you know him with the the glass and the shoes like what the hell is wrong with this guy like what's what's his deal but i think what's happened over these past few episodes he's just gradually gotten less interesting because we we have not been we've not really been made aware of just like what exactly he wants like the whole mission is obviously trying to get to Ahmed's tomb and, fr and free Ahmed because of whatever it is he believes in but i think I don't know. I think that um, this this might be the show sort of being a victim to to going in too many directions and maybe maybe introducing too many new elements, because I think that as, as time has progressed, we haven't seen much, much new development from Harrow. Like even in episode four, um, when he's in the tomb, 
the only reason that he's there is to tell Layla, like, oh, you should probably ask Mark the truth about your father. That that's his only purpose. And even even in this episode, he's he's playing that, you know, that 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 psychiatrist in the in the ward, but he's not really doing anything except trying to calm Mark and Steven down. That's at least that's at least how I felt. So these past two episodes have kind of taken a lot of this theme, I think, away from him as a character that that they, you know, did a good job of, of setting up in the in the first few episodes. Yeah, no, and I hear the motivation. I guess let me pitch what I think the motivation is. I think this is maybe just predicting the next episode. I think with Kanchu, I think Harrow saw the potential of their power. And I think Harrow was like, there's a lot of evil people in the world. And in a lot of like we can stop that. We can prevent evil people. We can prevent them before they do the evil. We can do all this stuff. Kanchu was like, no, get out of here. Like as much as we say Kanchu is the villain, I think this is the line that Kanchu drew. And I think Harrow, A, is now abandoned. You know, he was in this manipulative relationship because Kanchu does manipulate, was abandoned, and Hero got desperate, is now seeking this new god to do what he wanted to do with Kanchu. So it's like, it's basically an, an eggs being like, you didn't like ruining ruining Kanchu's life, ruining everyone's life around Kanchu. And I do think that's his motivation. I think his motivation is to achieve that goal of uh, fully purifying the world of guilty people in his eyes. Um, is that enough? Have we gotten enough of that? I don't know. And I don't. I, I think they could have done more with that. But I, I do think that if we're looking at any motivation, I think that's the motivation. And I think Harold's also a mirror to Mark in a lot of ways. Maybe that's where I'm looking at too. So I want to talk about another thing, and the only real note I have from all their conversations, um, which was kind of interesting, because we are, we're cutting back and forth between them, you know, we see him get shot in the neck with, uh, I don't know, a tranquilizer, um, but yeah, he's constantly hopping back and forth, but the first time we go there, uh, Mark has a split nose, and he's bleeding, and then we cut back, and then we come back later, and his nose is fine, so like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on here that I didn't necessarily like pick up on why it was happening, I feel like there was a greater reason there, I didn't know if either of you had uh, theories for I don't, I, any of these like therapy scenes we get for lack of a better term. Yeah. A part of me almost thought that that might've been just like a problem with like the consistency of the production. Cause like I noticed, like I think it was last week's episode that somebody spotted that a crew member's like leg was in one of the shots or something like that. And so, I, I mean, I hope that that's not the case. Like, I wouldn't want to, you know, call out marvel or disney for not being able to like spot something like that but it has happened you know unfortunately like these things do tend to happen with these bigger productions um but uh, yeah i'm not sure if that if, if it meant something more um to to the whole thing and it, potentially it, it could have been just like another way to throw up throw us off as an audience to like wonder whether or not that this is like really happening to him yeah i lean towards that that point of like is this really happening you know like i i i think it could have been more clear because i was with you i was like wait i i think what i took away from it was that like you don't know what the real reality here is you know we're jumping time we're jumping uh back and forth is hero really and that's i think the point of hero is i think to do what he does which is gaslight mark and steven he's, he's trying to help but he's mostly trying to just make them think this is the reality here it's kind of how i felt and uh, I think that kind of stuff of like we've seen with the nose there for a second. It's like I think it's to show that there is if this world is the reality, time has passed from him like getting injected and having that whole memory with the hippos and hippo and stuff 
And then it's like he was healed and now he's back in therapy kind of thing. I don't know. It, it, it's confusing. I, I agree. It's very confusing. I don't know if it's done on purpose to make us confused or it's just, you know, they didn't want to. Oscar Isaac said, you know what? I don't want to be in makeup this day. We're just going to have it gone. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's move and talk about um, Tarawit. I think I'm going to, I think that's uh, the, the, the hippo God, uh, the God of, uh, women and children and childbirth and life and like like too many god of too many things apparently because like Tommy like we talked about some gods they only get they only get to be the god of one thing and then we get these guys that like got like five or six things with that being said I do like tarot tarot's a lot of fun um we get uh, a lot of conversation about um well Tommy first and foremost we'll go ahead and pat you on the back your prediction was right you said this was an afterlife and that's what this is so uh props to you there we find out that this is the Duat, um, which is one of many afterlives. Uh, they even mentioned that uh, ancestral plane, which was cool. Um, yeah, I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts about uh, all of, uh, I guess, Tarot and uh, the fact that we're in an afterlife. Yeah, I really like this stuff. I thought that this was cool to like open up this this new this new realm, you know, within the MCU, obviously something that we haven't dealt with. We haven't dealt with like any sort of afterlife or underworld, I guess, sort of stuff in the MCU. I may, maybe a little bit with Thor kind of, but not, not, not as much as I think that they could have. Um, mostly in Thor Ragnarok. I think we saw a little bit of that, but here I thought that that was like really cool Egyptian mythology stuff to introduce in this show, which I, I was, I was hoping for. I would hope we would get some of that stuff. I think that uh, the only un unfortunate thing about it, maybe it's, you know, Maybe it's addressed next next week, but you know, I think the the things that next week needs to accomplish, the next episode is 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 you know very much like stacking on top of itself. There's a lot of things, but um, it it did feel like we kind of breezed past past all of that stuff like really quickly. Like there's a lot of information, a lot of exposition that's introduced from Tarawit, and she's she's good at that, and I like that stuff. But then they just have to shift gears immediately to focus on the past and to really address. Mark's upbringing so um, a little unfortunate that we couldn't get a little bit more of that but I'm, I'm hopeful at least like now that it's here and there's like an idea and an understanding that there's multiple afterlifes that you know maybe they could bring that back in the future yeah and I think it's because to me the the memories and the hero stuff feels connected there's a story I can come up with of like they're they're exploring these uh, flashbacks because he's going through this like therapy type stuff and I wonder if they just almost had that at the front, just like just those two storylines going back and forth, back and forth. And then it's like jarring of like, you know, don't have the hippo last week, have the hippo come in this week. And it's like, oh, now we're going to deal with all this afterlife stuff. I think because it was like, to me, it was the part that I was least enjoying. And I was like, okay, give me back into the memories. I want to know more about these flashbacks. I want to know more about Mark and, and Steven's past. Um, I found it really interesting, both visually was very cool. Um, I thought the hippo character was interesting. I think the flightiness was fun for a little bit, but I'm also like, okay, so they got to balance their hearts, but like, you're not really helping them, but you're also giving them kind of guidance. And then you like slow down the boat. Maybe like, I was like, I think it was just a lot that they were trying to explain and, and give us. And uh, it, on top of everything else they were trying to give us in the other story uh, plot points. Well, yeah, I actually, Tommy, I agree with you there because it's almost like they we had two different framing devices to, to do the same thing. Number one, we had the therapy to kind of talk him through the flashbacks, but we also had the hippo who was also talking him through the flag. Like, the whole point was to like, like come to terms with who you are in order to get through these gates. 
And uh, that was the, that was also the point of the flashbacks. It's like, okay, well, I, I I haven't accepted everything yet, so let me go back a little bit further. And uh, so yeah, we we had. I feel like if we just had one or the other, and in my mind, actually, just take Harrow out, keep the hippo stuff, because <laughs> I don't really care about Harrow. But um, yeah, that's what I think about that. that just a, a lot going on in terms of like uh, his multiple ways of being guided through his flashbacks. I I, I should also I, I, the one thing that I I really didn't like about that particular stuff within the episode, like the Terrorwood stuff. Like it just felt when they, after they, you know, went through the past memories and they came back and things still were not in balance with their hearts. Like it just felt kind of convenient to me that, you know, they sort of just like asked, could they return, you know, back to, back to the real world? Could like, could, could she, could she lead them back? And she was just really kind of agreeable at that point. Like, yeah, you know, we can kind of get you back there. That, that, that just felt a little too easy to me. Um, you know, even though ultimately, like he does, he does get the heart and balance. Um, but that just felt very rushed. That particular part, I, you know, I thought that they could have probably just like handled that a little bit better from just explaining it, how he can get back, maybe make it a little bit more challenging. Yeah, agreed. And they were like, it seemed like the resolution with like Stephen and Mark was like that that street scene of like, you know, like it's not your fault, and the the, the heart should be bounced. So I have a theory. <laughs> Welcome to Tommy's theory corner. Um, I think the hearts were in balance because not all the hearts were present. And so the heart, it became balanced the minute Steven died or, you know, got uh, ashed because there was only two hearts and there's now only two personalities. So that's my theory is that Jake needed to be freed from his sarcophagus and his heart needed to be there. Otherwise it would have been balanced. I like it. That's not, that's not bad. Um, also, well, I'm going to piggyback on your theory and kind of go to a different theory in terms of the third sar sarcophagus there. Um, like, if 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 it is required to have, like, these three, this trifecta of personalities within Mark, uh, you know, they take out Kanji, they put this other one in. Now now we, uh, I, I feel like that, I feel like that very much could. I think that's definitely something we're going to explore, um, who this third personality is. And I think it will uh, it'll ultimately take the place of Kanji. Yeah, I, I think I'm a little um, like Jake Lockley has definitely been something. And I think that, you know, fans of like Moon Knight who've, you know, read the comics or know a little bit about the the characters have been waiting for. Um, I, 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 Tommy, I think that that's actually like a really, a really smart point there. I didn't think about that, but I'm, I'm a little nervous about it just because I think Jake is like a really, that could be a really interesting thing to explore. And because we don't exactly know what's going to happen after this series like if it's going to be a season two or if oscar isaac is going to come back i'm just wondering how they handle jake lockley if they do decide to introduce him in the finale um or at least set that up that maybe that's something that they do explore more in the future um but i th there's so much that feels like it needs to be addressed in the next episode and i just wonder if that's another another thing that they'll add on top of all the other stuff that they have to wrap up yeah, it might be like it might have been for season two if they were gonna do that. Because I I thought this was gonna be the episode. I thought this was I thought they were gonna have Jake be, and it was gonna be the trio of them going through the memories. And I I thought it would be like they find one memory and they're like, wait, I don't remember this. And Steven's like, I don't remember this either. And then they had to go find Jake in the in the the facility. That was kind of my thought. But then I'm like, and yeah, I, I and you know who knows is my theories right? It just seemed very convenient that right when Steven's gone. The memories back and it's like i guess you could take it as like a selfish sacrifice by steven has has made the hearts whole but to me that would make the heart like it would make it 
less whole. You just lost a piece of yourself. You know, at this point, Steven is a piece of Mark. And and to me now they're, but, you know, unless someone fills that void, Jake, our boy. <laughs> so I do want to, I guess, just cl- kind of closing out and give some final thoughts, especially on uh, the Steven death. And maybe this is, again, I said this word for me more. And again, just because we know the character, but I also, there's still a part of me that's like, he's not gone for good. Like he's like, they're not giving up that character, especially all the time we spend on him. I don't know. And that's like the whole point of Midnight. Yeah, we might get Jake and that like takes his place. But um, I don't know. I just feel like we spend so much time building up Steven. I, there's just no doubt in my mind that he's not coming back. So, again, it's like, okay. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know. I don't, it's not a good comparison. I was going to say Chewbacca and Rise of Skywalker. But um feels like a fake out death to me. Yeah, um, I think he's going to come back. I think. But maybe with less. Maybe it's more of like he's just the voice in the head now. I don't know. Uh, but we can't lose Steven. Now that I finally am on board with Steven, I can't, I can't lose him. Yeah, no. The, 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 the moment that we found out Steven was sort of created out of this, this, this movie character from Tomb Buster, you know, this random like, you know, old school Indiana Jones like movie. I was like, oh, I, I really like that a lot. And I think that there's a lot, there's a lot still, there's a lot that Steven actually provides, you know, to the story that Mark is not able to accomplish. Like Steven's incredibly smart, knows a lot about Egyptian history and mythology. Like there's so many things that Steve is great for. And I would be super sad to not even see any more Mr. Knight in particular, because we've seen just a little bit of that. And I just want I want a lot more Mr. Knight on top of you know more Moon Knight stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good point. They're not getting rid of Mr. Knight, so yeah, there's um, too much merchandise for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's gonna be my Halloween know, costume. Yeah, should I go as Moon Knight? Yeah, let's do it. I, I'd have it easy. I just gotta go to Goodwill and find a white. I'm gonna suit. go. No, you go as Mark. <laughs> I'll go as Conchu, and I'll just like stand over top of you, like <laughs> get rid of the, <laughs> get rid of that. Uh, what do you call him? A scarab. Get rid of him. I, I do want to say though, I don't like that they call him Doctor Grant. Because I only know one Dr. Grant, and that's Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. <laughs> the most iconic Grant, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I was going to say, with the ending, did anyone get, like, gladiator vibes from that, like, w- the field of, of like, wheat oh, yeah. or whatever? I got big gladiator, which is cool, but I definitely got, like, big gladiator vibes from this ending. <laughs> that that was super close to gladiator it was it was kind of exactly shot for shot that same moment you know which which i mean it's it, it is nice that is like one of the more memorable parts from gladiator uh I, I hadn't thought about that i mean this series all throughout has been there have been multiple things that we've been like hasn't haven't we seen this exact thing before and something else um so with that being said uh, i think that takes us to the end here um let's dive into some recommendations uh tommy do you have anything you want to leave everybody with yeah kind of like to go with this episode you know we speaking of something we said oh i think i've seen this before if you haven't seen it go watch legion uh it was an fx show it was really good if you like this kind of like if you like the therapy stuff if you're like me and you're like this stuff has been working for you with like this kind of like mind psychology stuff legion will be right up your alley i think it's a really cool uh a show that like each season it built build and did really complex things by the end of it all right uh i'll let you go uh, last jordan um i'm gonna t- i'm gonna talk about the northmen oh my god i love this movie so much now listen robert eggers directed the witch and the lighthouse and listen i'm like the probably the biggest witch fan i didn't like the lighthouse as much so i was a little skeptical coming into this and even seeing some of the trailers it kind of seemed like uh 
I don't know. They just kind of packed it with some like uh, big uh, celebrities. And, you know, it's just like a fun little, uh, you know, kind of reminded me of like we, we got like Gladiator. And then we also got uh, Troy like right after it was like the last. It kind of seemed like it was trying to ride on the success of Gladiator a little bit. Uh, I don't know. The Norseman, like it had those vibes to me. Um, but I was so impressed. It's such a fun movie. Um, it is it is a long movie, but I think it works really well in this case. Um, outstanding performances, outstanding story, so emotional, so much fun. You got to see The Norseman. It's my favorite movie of the year. Um, I know a lot of people have said like everything everywhere all at once is the best movie of the year. For me, it's The Norseman. I loved it so much. Um, with that being said, uh, Jordan, I will. Yeah, Tommy. Oh, you're gonna... Did you like Ethan Hawke in this carry in, in that movie at least? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Ethan Hawke. Listen, Ethan Hawke can do no wrong. I do not have problems with any of his performances. Typically, it's like the writing. But hey, um, Jordan, I will throw it to you. Do you have something you want to leave the audience with? Sure. Yeah, I, I'll I'll go ahead and recommend something. I, I guess it's 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 somewhat related to what we've been talking about with this episode of Moon Knight with parents, and I, I want to recommend Turning Red uh, from from Pixar, which is uh, you know the latest film that they just done, which went straight to Disney Plus. I think about a month a month or so ago. Um, I was just I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed uh, this film because some of the last few Pixar movies have been just like okay. I think they've always managed to make like at least good movies, but some of them are less amazing than others but i think that this might be my favorite pixar movie in i don't know maybe like eight or nine years it was just really really impressive i think all the performances were really really great um and it's also telling a story about you know i think a a side of 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 characters that we don't we don't typically see like an asian a canadian asian you know sort of story um about a young teen you know coming of age and the relationship with her mother and how they how they navigate that as she's you know sort of growing into a woman and just you know she just wants to be with her friends and just like wants to go to this concert it's really it's really cute and adorable but it's also super funny and very very emotional so i'd say turning red and you can see it on disney plus right now and if you have kids listen my son knows every word to the four town songs like he is, <laughs> loves this movie it is uh like he, he doesn't talk much but he knows this song which is awesome and then my and then uh, the twin daughter she 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 calls it may 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 because that's the name of the main character so um I'll have to learn the the words too, and then me and your son can duet. Yes, exactly. We'll bring love for it. Yeah, they're great. Tommy, can we uh, speaking of Pixar? Can we do a Lightyear recap? Yeah, I, we can do a Lightyear. I'm recap. so excited for Lightyear, Jordan. I don't know if you're. Uh, uh, I'm like this is like my jam, like hardcore sci-fi Pixar. Throw it all in a pot. I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, a, a sci-fi movie, like a true sci-fi movie from Pixar sounds like everything that I would ever want. It, I'm, I'm super excited about it. And I've also just kind of been reading. I know it like CinemaCon is happening right now. And so I read some of the reactions to like, I think they showed the first 30 minutes of the movie and, you know, people are saying like, oh, yeah, you're going to cry literally in the opening minutes of the film. And so I'm like, I'm here for it. Pixar, like bring the emotions out of me. Like, you know how to tug in my heartstrings and speak exactly to my childhood. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for Lightyear. Yeah, I, I haven't looked, to be honest, I haven't looked too much into it. As you know, I try to like just, if I'm only going to watch something, I just don't even look at it. Uh, but it, it kind of gives me the vibe of, do you remember that like uh, Buzz Lightyear like anime show that had like nothing to do with the, the, the Toy Star Story Command, movies? baby. Yeah, that's, I'm hoping it's like that because I loved that show growing up. So, yeah, so, yeah, no, so super excited for that. Um, jo- Jordan, thank you so much for doing this. I'm like, we brought you on for like the most depressing episode that we've ever done. Like, we brought, like, <laughs> We like, uh, like we got into like inner problems between Tommy and myself here. So uh, I appreciate you bearing through it with us. It was, it was so much fun getting your opinions. I want to give you the chance to tell people 
Uh, I know, tell people about your podcast and wherever else they can find you on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This was this was fun, even though we had to unpack a lot of, you know, really traumatic stuff and, and some some hard topics. But uh, folks, if you want to, you know, tune into my podcast, I'm one of the co-hosts of Two Black Nerds, um, just the number two Black Nerds. You can find us anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, all those great places. We're also on, on, on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds, and you can follow us there. Um, we try to do a lot of cool things on, on social media, try to engage conversation. And we're also doing weekly Moon Knight reviews. So if you're into the show, definitely listen to this episode and then if you want to go check out our stuff you can check out the the past five um reviews that we've done for the series so hopefully see you guys there yeah you guys are way more like y'all like like tommy and i we're just like floundering and goobering uh over moon now you guys have like actual interesting discussions so all right and also i, I gotta say this out of like because i follow a lot of different podcast accounts but y'all's instagram is like y'all are on it like from the edits to the content to the interaction yeah like chef's kiss you guys thank you thank you so much i appreciate that it's it's you know it's it's good work it's uh, i work in social media so it's just kind of like something else that adds on to it so definitely fun stuff over there but yeah thank you guys again for having me on today this is great yes all right so i will close this out here well tell me uh what's going on in your world uh you know uh well i guess this is uh no podcast as of late uh, still can find me over at the Tommy's Tidbits uh, Twitter. And, uh, you know, I guess this is the update. People love to hear about our personal lives, right? Uh, I finally got Michael to try D&D. Let's just, let's just, that happened. He did it. He tried it. Um, I'll let him say if he liked it or not. But listen, it was a good time. Uh, everyone laughs all around. Yeah, no, I... Oh, I hate when to admit when Tommy's right, but he got, I like D&D now. Okay. I want to do it again. Uh, I want to get our gang back together. Like I want to continue our story. It's so much fun. Uh, a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, also want to talk about one more thing. Something excited to happen from like the number one Star Wars guest. He's been on like five episodes. Alex Brizard. Hey Jordan, do you watch the circle? Do you know what that is? I've heard of it. I haven't checked it out yet. I've there's something that I, I definitely want to watch though. A good friend of the podcast is going to be on it. So uh, his name's Alex Brazard. He's going to be on was it season four of the Circle? Yeah, season four. Yeah. Nice. So huge, huge news in the Star Wars community. So uh, yeah, uh, go go give Alex Brazard all your love. Okay. With that being said, after uh, the DOD and the Circle and all that other stuff, we will close it out. Um, I like to remind you guys to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, preferably five stars. And also please subscribe because we're going to be here every single week. Uh, Tommy, Multiverse of Madness is next week, so we're gonna have to we have to wrap that yeah, one. It's up. coming up. That's yep. that has snuck up on me. And still, another update: I still have not been spoiled by any trailers. Everyone said you'd be spoiled. Alex Brizard looking at you as one person who said, "Oh, you're gonna find out that Doctor Strange news." I have not. So please don't. No one spoil me now to like prove Alex right. Like. <laughs> Tommy, be careful because there is some more big stuff that came out today. So uh, it seems like a, a minefield of information if you're trying to avoid it. Try to um, stay off the Twitter, like just not just go ghost for like a week. I I, I don't know the links you want to go to, uh, and I don't know what your Twitter looks like. If it was my Twitter and I wanted to avoid it, I would log off. <laughs> so um, with that being said, though, um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Star Wars Pod, and you can also find our merch in the link in our bio. Also, we have a Discord community, so if you want to get involved in that, you can message us there, and we will get you involved. Uh, With that being said, it's all we got for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Come on, Tommy. Uh, Bye!